Welcome to Triangle 411, the pulse that moves the Triangle world today. It's a vibrant collection of stories, medical breakthroughs, what's trending, social good, events, and boundless other adventures. A conversation pit of comedians, authors, chefs, sports figures, experts, the common and the uncommon. Here's the host of Triangle 411, Mary Innsbrucker. Hi, friends. I don't know if you've heard about this Netflix show called Squid Games, but some are gobbling it up faster than eating a Thanksgiving turkey. It's just unbelievable. The show, Squid Games, has become Netflix's most successful series of all time, reaching more than 111 million households worldwide. That's worldwide. But why? With us today is Dr. Pamela Rutledge, the director of the Media Psychology Research Center, co-host of a monthly webinar, and faculty at Fielding Graduate University. She consults on a variety of media projects and is an expert source for several media outlets. Welcome, Dr. Rutledge. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. So I'm going to start by just reading a little bit about what you included in your, it was a great article. Uh, So let's start with Squid Games. It's a survival drama and cautionary tale that examines the extremes of social power, injustice, and privilege. It is timely because it encapsulates the powerlessness, frustration, and confusion of the pandemic and the social message about wealth disparity, and privilege is loud and clear. It is also unsettling and violent, a kind of Hunger Games meets Battle Royale meets Lord of the Flies that continually pits humanity against survival and captures the current social distress. Wow, a lot of power in that statement. And I want us all to just digest that for a moment and you talk a little bit about that. Sure, absolutely. It's uh, it's quite remarkable when something that hits popular culture that has such an interesting reaction from from people writ large because the first thing that you see of course when you start watching Squid Game is is the violence. And so it's you really have to endure the violence to get to the understand the messaging or or to notice start noticing the symbolism and these uh and the undercurrents. A lot of folks may have not watched it yet or might be halfway through it, so we won't give away any, um, you know, how it ends, <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, no spoilers. No, no spoilers. spoilers, right. But for, for those who are not familiar with Squid Games, can you give us a brief description of the show? It's a, it's a Korean-based uh, serialized show uh, over nine episodes that really is describing what happens to people when they really hit rock bottom. It, the the protagonist is a not particularly likable at the beginning fellow who has gambled away all of his money. His, his mother is supporting him. He's not paying for his daughter. And he volunteers along with a bunch of other people to participate in a set of games with the promise of winning great money. And what they aren't told until they show up is that when you are eliminated from the game, they mean that literally, that you are killed. So there's this horrifying moment when all the players realize that. But interestingly, most of them choose to stay or come back to the game. 
It is very intense. Um, so I, it's kind of, you know, reminds me of the horror genre. And I'd like to ask you, what is the psychology behind these kind of films? Horror films have a lot of appeal, especially to people who like that kind of stimulation. But something like Squid Games that allows you to deal with the existential terror of life. In other words, how bad can it get? Could I handle it? So it allows you to sort of process that. And at the same time, you're on this tremendous emotional roller coaster going through because you start to care for characters and you start to relate to them. What's particularly interesting also about Squid Game is that it is built on children's games. And each episode is a very nice little narrative arc built around a child's game like red light, green light, everyone's familiar. And they have all of these uh, historical memories of playing in a playground, all of these sort of fun, happy, comforting things. And then it turns out that this is now a deadly game. So there's a lot of cognitive dissonance that contributes to the emotional distress. And you mentioned the games. Um, they're they're resembled uh, kind of like viral challenges that we see. So something that wasn't lost on thousands of TikTok and Instagram users. And the show just blew up on social media. Absolutely. And what's really interesting is that people presume that the, the meaning travels across media literally. But when fans take on a property, they create their own meaning. So people are now all up in arms because children are playing squid game in the playground. Most of these kids have not seen the, the series and probably never will. So they have created their own sense of meaning that they've derived from what they saw on TikTok or what they saw in other places, knowing that it's popular. When something is popular, kids actually feel the obligation or sort of FOMO, right, to, to know what's going on so that they are part of the culture that surrounds them. I was going to ask this a little further in the interview, but while we're talking about the kids picking up on this, um, and we'll talk about lessons learned later in the, in the broadcast, <laughs> okay. but, you know, some parental advice here. Should kids watch Squid Games? I mean, I know they're exposed somehow, just kind of almost not by choice on Instagram or TikTok, but actually sit down and watch the program on Netflix. I think that's a really interesting question. And obviously, every child is different and the maturity of the child matters. Uh, if a kid comes to you and wants to watch it, if you say no, it's just going to make it all the more desirable. They'll figure out a way to see it somewhere because you can access Netflix, you know, at your friend's house, on your phone, all kinds of different ways. But if a, if a child is really committed to doing that, as a parent, I would want to talk with them about the content they will be seeing and then watch it with them to provide that kind of emotional support and continue to offer ways to emotionally step them back from the horror of it by, by taking them into a more cognitive discussion, moving them away from the emotions and bringing them, well, why do you think they're doing that? And, you know, what does that mean to you? And, you know, why does that person have no money? And, you know, those kinds of things, which keeps it from having the emotional impact. So I find it interesting that, that you mentioned the, the lack of empathy and cruel abuse of power is more difficult to watch than the violence. Can you explain that? Uh, absolutely, because the once you accept the premise of the game, then you have to say, well, who's who's pulling the strings? Who's running 
this whole show that puts these people in such an untenable position from an untenable position. In other words, they were already totally desperate and now their life is on the line. So the, the disregard for human life, I mean, I don't want to talk about it too much because again, if you haven't seen it, I don't want to spoil it, but there's, you know, there are puppet masters here, right? Somebody sets this up. So the idea that people are so willing to dispose of human life, for whatever purpose, is is really um, really unsettling and appalling, especially when you're in an environment like we are now, where there's so much political contention and and you know people worrying about injustice and disparity and all that. Where you're thinking, how how far is it from where we are to that? And just to touch on the horror part again, Freud suggested that horror was appealing because it allows the expression of feelings repressed by the ego. Is there a similar vein in this work? Absolutely. You know, a a more uh, current theory would be what we call threat management theory, which really says that that these types of films allow us to to sort of test opportunities or or test um, our ability to withstand uh, different kinds of crises. Uh, Ironically, a lot of this dystopic fiction and is very hopeful. I mean, even the storyline isn't hopeful, but you end up feeling like you have survived, right? That you that, that you've, you've redeemed humanity and that you've come to the fore. Someone asked me, well, at the end of COVID, you know, are we going to be seeing, you know, dystopic movies like Contagion? They said, if we do, we will be heroic. In other words, we will emerge having survived, which is really why you're watching these shows. That's very interesting. Uh, you know, this pandemic, it's just it's just unbelievable what it's done. I've done many shows about, you know, the loneliness that's resulted, the anxiety, the depression. And is this somewhat kind of an escape? Are we just looking for like, get uh, guess things could be worse or they're <laughs> going to get better or what? Yeah, I think I think all of those things. First of all, it is so outside of our normal worlds that it that it is an escape. Once you're past the bad dubbing, which admittedly is very bad, um, once you get past that and you start to connect to the emotions of the of the uh, players, then that stuff goes away, and you really are in another world. And that escapism is actually kind of relaxing in spite of the nature of the content being able to step out of your own world is a little bit of a relief for a while and it also shows you that people survive really awful things even though this is fiction it's reassuring in that sense but i do think that this whole narrative captures the sense of uh powerlessness and uncertainty and you know lack of control that everyone's been feeling during the pandemic what are the lessons that we can learn from squid games what are the lessons that we can learn um i think we can learn to sort of be socially sensitive to the distress of others in other words if you're saying what's a teaching moment how did we get to this point and how can we keep from replicating it? I think the other is that we, the teaching moment is that we have to acknowledge that sometimes it's okay to just watch something that's escapism, that maybe we're learning a little bit about another culture, another way of looking at things, but we don't have to have everything be big and important. We can just say, huh, isn't that interesting? Especially when it hits with such a big cultural phenomenon. But sometimes it's a really valuable thing because it causes us to reflect back 
on our life and where we are. So I think that it's important to allow yourself the chance to watch something, experience it, and and figure out how you're making meaning out of it. It it seems like there's always lessons to be learned in everything that happens in in life. And uh, so your suggestion would be watch it or don't watch it. Uh, my suggestion would be to, you know, judge your own tolerance for this. But know that the, once you get past the first episode, the, it, it changes quite a bit and you become much more involved in the characters and much less focused on the violence per se. So if you can stand that first episode, you know, give it a little bit more time. You know, that being said, yes, it's very violent. But I was astounded by how engaging the characters were in spite of the fact that I do not speak Korean and that was some of the worst subtitles I've ever seen <laughs> and, you know, and dubbing and, you know, I mean, so their ability to project characters was really impressive. Well, I thank you so much for being here with us today and digesting all of this for us a little bit. And uh, I, I like the correlation you made with the pandemic and so forth. So, um, so it's Squid Games. It's on Netflix. If you're interested, like the doctor said, maybe give it a go for a, a one or two shows. Totally up to you. But it is a phenomenon, and it is a hot topic, and it is exploding on social media. So Triangle 411 wanted to bring it the story to you. Thank you so much for being here, doctor. Oh, my pleasure anytime. So besides being the producer and host of Triangle 411, I am running for the Cary Town Council District C, which is the southeast part of Cary, and I hope to be the change you want to see. Additionally, I am the founder of the Spare Some Change charity, and I would like to tell you about a project my charity is doing. We are participating in the Wake Med Hospital's Children's Holiday Gift Toy Donation Program. I am passing on their info. Should you like to spread some joy to the kids who are unfortunately in the hospital during the holiday season? You know, it's tough to be in the hospital anytime. It's tough for a kid versus an adult and add the holiday in there and the kids can certainly use some holiday cheer. Now, if you want to become involved, there is a deadline. So you should go to this site for more information so you can be in time should you want to participate in Wake Meds Hospital Children's Holiday Gift and Toy Donation Program. And you can simply go to wakemed.org. Wakemed. Org. Well, it's time to high-five and say goodbye. I'm Mary Innsbrucker for Triangle 411. Today, dot, 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 give back.